And in the spirit of Roma Cup Day, Terry, we have the 11-year-old Marvel, Rock Magic, trying to make it three Roma Cups at Ascot this Saturday. And uh, who better to talk to than co-trainer Michael Gangemi. Michael, it's a pleasure. Welcome to the 1-1. G'day, fellas. Thanks for having me. Michael, um, everyone, uh, you've, as uh, I was just sort of saying to you before we popped on air, you've been a bit of a media superstar this week. Is it about, uh, is it about uh, Rock Magic or is it about you? Uh, <laughs> no, nah, mate, it's all about the champ, Rocky. Uh, you know, I think it was like this uh, for the winner bottom and it's just great that he's getting the credit he deserves and no one wants to talk to me unless Rocky's in, so it'll be a sad day when he retires <laughs> and uh, I disappear in the background. But uh, no, nah, mate, it's all seriousness. It's you know, the horse at 11 years of age to still be doing what he's doing. He's just for racing and to still uh, be so competitive at that elite level. Um, you know, at 10 and 11, he's been placed in group ones, which I don't think he's ever been done before. So he's, he's a pretty special animal. Just to give uh, the listeners some context, Rock Magic actually debuted at Scone, uh, a bit of uh, jam and cream on your scone, uh, in a maiden, one by four and a half lengths, over 900 metres. I think he's, uh, then again, he can still probably win over 900 metres these days. On the 16th of March, 2013, and six, since Rock Magic debuted, BJ, there's been five Prime Ministers of, uh, of Australia. So how about, uh, how about that? He's he's the horse of a lifetime, Michael, isn't he? Really, like uh, fifty nine starts now. He's won sixteen races, one point six million in prize money. He uh, since you guys snapped him up, he's he's, I guess he's taking you to um, you know to Victoria and New South Wales, taking on the big guns at, at the highest level. I mean, what more could you ask from? I mean, what did what did you what did you pay for him initially from from the Masaras, Michael? Like, and and what was the process in 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 securing securing this horse, which has basically changed changed yours and your family's racing lives? Yeah, mate, it's a, it's a good question. Look, um, we bought him for a hundred from Arrowfield. Um, we'd already purchased a couple of horses from them previously. Uh, we managed to get Windswept. It was a nice horse, and um, obviously the, the quality of animal that uh, those guys breed. Um, he showed a fair bit of form early and and went off the ball and. We thought if we could get his confidence back, we might have a, a nice Saturday horse on our hands. Uh, so a lot of people that purchased in, uh, some really loyal owners of ours that have been with us a very long time, um, we never dreamt we'd go on a, a journey like this. We're definitely blessed to um, get our hands on him. And then every time we raise the bar with him, um, he just, you know, we thought, okay, we've got a nice Saturday horse. I think he strung three Saturdays in a row and then went to a, finally at his first preparation for us and won that. So I think 2014 was his first stakes win. Uh, in the finally for us. Um, and then seven years on, here he is again, still racing at that elite level. So most horses don't race seven years in their whole life. And this bloke's done it at the elite level, um, every prep. And uh, he's just an amazing animal. And to take us on the journey he has, um, it's just been a blessing for myself, the ownership group. And, and as you said, the whole family, he's, um, you know, traveling to Melbourne is you know, a childhood dream growing up to be able to take a horse east and compete at that level. Um, but, you know, when you're, when you're standing in the mounting yard, you know, with your Chautauquas and uh, your Red Zeals and your Red Kirk Warriors and Lightnings and Newmarkets and TJ Smith. Um, you know, the boys from the West are just over there just pinching ourselves. Uh, it was just, it's just been an amazing journey. And the scary part is he may be 11, but he's not done with yet. Absolutely. He, his Northern Stakes run the other day was absolute cracker. I can't believe how well he went. No, uh, no. <laughs> uh, from just the way that you guys sort of had to ride him uh, under the circumstances. That was first up 1,100 metres in the Northern Stakes. He has won that race before. I think he holds the race record or the track record at Northern, but had to go around them and and uh, finish second to Cup Knight, who, who sort of 
got the got the inside runs and cut the corner. Um, I guess before we go too deep into the, um, some of the rock magic stuff and the Michael Gangemi story, the listeners want to know what what can we expect from the champ on Saturday. Uh, look, he doesn't know how to run a bad race. Um, you know, when the barriers come out, it put a bit of a, a dent in the fairy tale because the horse is working unbelievable. He's worked on Tuesday morning with first class. Um, you know, some of the sections he reels off at track work under a holder. You know, well, I've never seen it before. <clears throat> and, you know, he hasn't slowed down at all. So, you know, he's run the other day. I think he reeled off at 32.3 last 600, and that's circling. Uh, one hell of a field they put together at Northern. Um, and at 11 years old, I don't know many 11-year-old horses that can reel off a 32.3, going wide and circling the whole field. So that being said, he, he hasn't really lost uh, anything. He's still the highest-rated sprinter in WA. If you look at that field, he's, he's at 110. Um, you know, there's Group 1 winners below him, but none of them have his rating. So he's been able to hold that rating with consistency and, and performances um, and to still be rated that high as an 11-year-old um, is just is just ridiculous. So every race we put him in, we know he gives his all. At the moment, we're going to sit down with the ownership group. Uh, when he drew that barrier, we've walked the track today, um, had a good chat with Chris Nation as well, and um, tomorrow afternoon we'll make a decision on whether he needs to go around. He's got nothing to prove. Um, so fingers crossed, um, you know, we get the right sort of track and we weigh it up and, and make that call. Otherwise, he'll go to the paddock and he'll come back for one last winter bottom prep and uh, that'll be it. As a twelve-year-old, yep, outstanding, outstanding. Can you, can you quickly touch on his uh, the relationship between Rock Magic and Jared Noski? Now, Jared is a um, he's a dual license. He's he's a trainer and a jockey. He's also got his own breaking and education uh, for for young horses now. Um, he's been a special horse uh, to everyone, but but none none more so than Jared Noski. Yeah, Jared and the horse, they, they get along so well. Jared's like family to us also. So, you know, I've known Jared since he was a kid. I knew Jared's parents when I was a kid. And um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're a pretty tight family and those guys are, are considered part of our family. And to have Jared ride him through this journey um, and travel east with him, uh, Jared was going to hang the boots up um, several times, but he keeps saying, I won't hang them up until Rocky does. So <laughs> uh, I think a couple of years ago he was going to do it and he, Rocky just keeps lifting. So uh, he, hasn't, he hasn't hung them up yet. Yeah, and, and he got, got back in the winner's circle for you guys yesterday as well. Uh, was it Written Matter at Ascot yesterday? Yeah, straight, straight correct, in the front. That correct. was good. Um, yeah, we sent that horse to Jared to do a bit of barrier work, and um, and I think he liked the feel of him, so he said, oh, I'll keep writing this one too. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's never going to hang the boots up, uh, Michael, because I'm sure you guys have always got a good horse in your camp. Hey, I was listening to the, a cracking interview that you did with Gareth Hall on, on Radio RSN yesterday. And you spoke, uh, or you gave some really amazing insight into when the the, the day when when Rock Magic, uh, I guess, injured himself, and um, it was sort of touch and go as to as to not only what was going to happen with his racing career, but but whether he you're going to be able to save him. Um, you don't have to go into it as as, as deep today, but. I think a few people, for me included, forgot that he had to he had that injury and that that he suffered and and just how amazing it is that you guys and uh, all your vets and staff were able to patch him up and to have him still going at eleven and to even be considering a, a another winter bottom tilt into his twelve year old season is quite phenomenal. So, just what was the injury and and how long did it actually um, sideline him sideline him for? Yeah, look, it was just a freak accident. He was on the walking machine, which he goes on most days, um, and he was trotting around. He was feeling a million bucks like he can do and getting a bit up and about. And 
he hit his knee on the walker. Now, the first reaction, he, he was so lame, we thought he'd fractured his knee. And um, he got off the walker, we got him off straight away, and he was pretty much hobbling on three legs. Now, it did appear at that point in time that the first thing is he's whacked his knee, it's blowing up, there was information, heat in there, and um, we obviously had to pretty much carry him onto the truck on three legs rush him into Murdoch University. Um, they did x-rays straight away, and they realized that there was no fracture, so they couldn't find what it was. They thought it could have been ligament damage, but he was in so much pain, he just couldn't put weight on that leg. Um, and then eventually uh, they scanned it, and they found that it was a, a called hemarthrosis, which is bleeding behind the knee, um, and uh, it's obviously caused by trauma. He's, he's hit it, um, and then obviously... The issue with that is um, you can't find where it's bleeding. You know where it's going, but um, to try and survey a vessel that's bleeding is very hard to do. So they operated and just cleaned up that joint. Um, we, at the time, just told uh, David Murphy, the professor, who's a good friend of the family, um, do what you can, mate. We don't care what it costs. Just save his horse. He means everything to us. So at one point, it was just about saving him. Um, and then it was uh, put him in the paddock and just give him a nice green, um, a green paddock to retire into and he pretty much sulks when he's in the paddock. He doesn't like standing around. He wants to be in work. So we ended up putting him back in work. And since then, he, he won that Northern, um, that Northern Stakes in track record and state record time. Um, and that was a, that was a very special moment in racing to, to have him come back and do that. And since then, he's also traveled to back to Melbourne, run fourth in a Manicato as a 10 year old. Um, he's been placed in two group one since that, uh, that injury as well. For me, the uh, the sign of a um, a really good horse, though, uh, Michael, is when they get a uh, a bar named after them. That's uh, <laughs> that, that's really when you know they've made it. Uh, for those that are unaware, there's a little bar out the back of Ascot uh, called the the Rocky Bar or the Rock Magic Bar. The Rock um, Magic Room, yeah. Been been lucky enough to be invited in for a quiet one there uh, after the races. How did uh, how did all that come about that uh, he uh, managed to uh, get a bar named in his honour? Uh, look, yeah, that bar was shut for many years and uh, they were using it as a storeroom and it needed a fair bit of work uh, done on the room and um, I offered to uh, throw a bit of money at it and replace all the glass in the windows and, and, and throw a bit of money at it and uh, ask the turf club if uh, they'd be kind enough if I threw some money at it, if we could um, use that room for our ownership group, which is quite quite a large base and uh, they were happy if we invested in the room that we could do that and so we work in conjunction with them and uh, and obviously uh, as, as this all started racking up the wins, um, he was pretty much the one putting the money on the bar all the time, so it was only obvious that uh, we, we named it after him. Uh, speaking about your, uh, your big ownership group, it's, a, uh, it's quite well known and the um, walking the horses in, uh, some of those photos are absolutely cracking. A lot of those success, and obviously Rock Magic was run purchase from over east, um, but you have... Well, you probably have the greatest success uh, out of all uh, out of all the local trainers at importing them um, over from the east. Uh, tell the listeners a little bit about uh, how you identify them and who well, who does the identifying and um, the process in, in getting some of those very nice horses um, across from the east to race in WA. Uh, yeah, mate, um, we've been pretty lucky. Um, I know most of the strike rate coming from the east is you know people only would normally sell a horse if there is it has got a problem mm. and they haven't been able to fix it. Um, you know, we try and target horses that at one point showed the ability side and they may have got off the ball and hope that a different environment, we train out in the Swamp Valley so we've got paddocks and, uh, you know, they're not at the track every day or locked up in a box. So um, we try and get the best and try and rejuvenate their careers. And if we know they've got the ability, uh, we've got to back ourselves in to try and get it back out of them. doesn't work all the time. Um, but if they've got the ability, that's half the battle. Uh, then we've just got to try and get them sound and, and get them back to the track. I, 
I know exactly the recipe now that we're looking for. We've got a profile of horse that we sort of try and target. Um, and if they pop up, um, we're pretty keen to get our hands on it. And uh, sometimes you've got to wait a while and sometimes they just uh, rock up in your lap and you've just got to take the opportunity and, and, and back yourself in. So, Michael, you and Chris have are – tra- your brother Chris, younger brother Chris are a, a training partnership. Your father, John, um, was, was a trainer when I was growing up and then Chris took the reins. What was that? Was that uh, 2009, 2010, somewhere along, along the way there? Yeah, approximately yep. about then, yeah. Yeah, and then then obviously you have uh, – your, your name is on the door now, Chris and Michael Ganjimi, the training partnership from the beginning of this season, I believe. Um you're a busy guy. Uh, uh, you can you can tell us about about your life outside of, outside of racing. But what? Why did you want to take that 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 leap personally and uh, and put your name to the stable after um after your father's trained and then then Chris trained the horses and obviously you were the 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 key um, managing uh, manager of the stable and and your name was obviously in at the front of all the horses. But now you're now you're a trainer as well, co-trainer. Yeah, mate, look, to, to be perfectly honest with you, Dad, as you said, uh, was more of a hobby trainer. Uh, before and after school, um, I was pretty much um, uh, his servant and pretty much did uh, um, uh, slave labour uh, growing up. Um, so I was the one doing the yards and the waters. Chris was more the footy player um, and I was more involved in the racing side of things. And as the um, the business started to grow, um, uh, we obviously went through some tough times financially. So Dad, um, you know, we had to get rid of a few of the horses and um, I went out and was lucky enough to get into the building industry, which... Um, kicked a few goals there and we've got a few, uh, nice building companies, uh, ticking over nicely at the moment. So that funds the operation. But, uh, once the business started to go good, we wanted to get back into racing. And that's when, um, we pretty much, uh, started up again with dad. And then pretty much Chris and I took over, but we just put him in Chris's name. Um, but to be honest with you, mate, nothing's really changed, um, in regards to putting my name on the paperwork. It was just, uh, when COVID hit, um, you know, Chris and I do everything together. Um, all the, all the programming, all the work, everything's done together so there hasn't really been a, a change or an adjustment we did take over from dad i think you said in 2009 um but what happened there was um just natural progression with dad um, handing the reins over to the boys and and we did that but uh with covid and traveling the horses east it was just getting a little bit more difficult um without my name on the on the training um partnership um to get things done so we just thought it would just be a lot easier just to do it and the, the business model has grown um, it's it's pretty it's pretty hard work when there's only one person that can do certain things. So uh, I just took a bit of the responsibility off Chris just to help him along the way. So one thing that does fascinate me, Michael, about um, your your stables training philosophies and and um, and the way that you run your businesses as well is that the um, you're always you're always looking very eager to learn and, and I'm sure you've got your mentors in your business side. But is it right that one of your your mentors and I suppose great great friends in, in regards to thoroughbred horse training and, and the racing industry's leading Hong Kong trainer, Casper Founds. Um, are, are you able to, to tell the listeners about your, your relationship and what you've learned from from Casper and how that has helped your, I guess, your horse racing business? Yeah, mate. Uh, look, Casper is, is a great family friend, um, you know, his wife and children. Um, every time they, they, they come to Perth, we spend a lot of time together. Um, we travel up to Bali together many times and, um, Cass's wife, Alex, um, Lana Hutchinson, who's from Perth, um, and they obviously used to live in Hong Kong, and her and her husband uh, trained up in Hong Kong, um, and uh, Cass met Alex up in Hong Kong, but they're originally from Perth. So uh, Cass's um, in-laws are pretty much based here in Perth, so he does do a bit of travelling to Perth, and 
you know, I was lucky enough to become um, friends with Cash probably 15 years ago now. Uh, we really hit it off and uh, uh, we're lucky enough to have a mentor like that um, who we can lean on. Um, and in this racing case, you, know, you can get taught so much by your father growing up. He's a hobby trainer, but then when you get someone of the Ilka Cass and, you know, we head to Hong Kong and spend time up there with Cass and have done that many times and just to watch him in action, um, just in awe of what he can do with a horse and what he can see and things he can do. And when you're able to lean on someone like that, when you're a bit lost or you found a problem you don't know how to fix, um, you know, that's, that's priceless. And um, to have someone like that, we're just blessed um, to be able to lean on uh, someone of that ilk. So what does the so i i you said that you've got your your building businesses which are obviously very successful in their own rights but deep down i'm, I'm assuming that you you've always really wanted to be a horse trainer <laughs> what's uh <laughs> what's uh like all going well what are what are some of the the things that that you and your brother would like to achieve under the the ganjimi racing racing banner obviously um you, you're still investing in tried horses in yearlings i noticed that you you breed some as well what what is the what, what does the future hold for for uh, the ganjimi brothers yeah look we, we we love what we do um you know as i said the it's it's become more of than just a hobby <laughs> it's got pretty big mm. uh we have a lot of fun along the way uh we obviously you know, really love our ownership group and, um, you know, referrals of friends of friends that it just continues to grow and build. And, you know, some of the days you have at the races, you have your ups and your downs and, you know, we're all there for each other. So if you do have a rough day at the office, uh, we're back in the rock magic room having a beer and drowning our sorrows. And if we win, uh, we remember it and we celebrate because it, it's hard to do. And, you know, if we can continue to churn out winners and, uh, you know, we've had a few really good seasons and I think it's pretty evident, um, in regards to our transformation as we're continuing to evolve and learn. Um, that when Cass has really, you know, really helped us along the way, um, we're always learning and always willing to learn and um, we've got to continue to change with the times. And um, if we can continue to, you know, churn out winners, um, you know, everyone's happy. So I love my WA Racing history and uh, I'm pretty, heard, pretty sure I've heard this story a few times. But can you please tell, uh, let the listeners know um, – your family's involvement in the creation of the Roma Cup. I'm pretty sure when I was working at Perth Racing a long time ago that I saw a photo of the AS Roma uh, Football Club at Belmont Park Racecourse back in the day. Francesco Totti. And uh, they they visited Perth. I'm pretty sure this race was to commemorate their their arrival in Western Australia and it's been continued since. It, it, what's the family connection with this particular race, Michael? Yeah, mate, that's a good question. My uh, non-North, so my father's dad, my grandfather, uh, he inaugurated the race, um, I think 1966 or something like that. Um, he's the president of the Perth Italian Club for a very long time. Uh, he's a Cavalieri, which is, he's actually, uh, he's been knighthooded. Um, he's oh, wow. a, uh, got an order of Australia medal. Uh, he's still a justice of the peace now at 97, rising 98. Um, and he's had a very heavy, heavy, he's just a What's his, what, what's his name, Michael? Uh, yes, Michali Ganjemi. So uh, he's, I was named after him. Oh, very uh, good. He's an absolute legend um, of the Italian community. And uh, he'll be out the races um, on Saturday. So uh, he's a superstar. He used to present the trophy every single uh, year. And I used to watch him do it as a kid growing up. And I always wanted to win the race so that he could present me with the trophy. So, yeah, in 1966, I believe he, he was heavily involved with the Italian community. And uh, he wanted to organize a race in the honor of um, Roma visiting uh Perth, and so they did name it after the Roma as a football club, and uh, he managed to put it all together 
Um, and since then, obviously, he's been presenting it for the last, uh, you know, 40, 50 years. And so to actually win it a couple of years ago in a row uh, and have uh, our non-nor present me the trophy was very, very special. Trifected the race as well. Yeah, that was a that was a bit of a shock, but um, yeah, we tried to load the bases up and they, and they trifected it, so that was that was a good result that one. Out of, the, out of the grounds. Now the race is being run at Ascot this week, Michael. A bit of a uh, bit of talk about the Ascot track being a little bit tired, and I'm sure uh, uh, that's part of the reason you walked it, as you as you mentioned earlier. Um, look, gun to your head, would you prefer it was uh, was run at Belmont? Yeah, in a nutshell. Uh, Belmont, Belmont looks amazing at the moment. We do all our fast work on that inside track, and then you just see the surface at the moment. But look, um, I understand why uh, the race is at Ascot. The facilities there are a million times better than Belmont. The beers um, will taste a lot nicer I'm... in the Rock Magic Bar if he happens to salute as well, <laughs> isn't it? True. Very true, but at the same time, you look at the welfare, and I've put the trainer's hat on and say, the welfare of the horse, you want to go over a, a beautiful, fresh surface um, as opposed to um, a, a track that's uh, very tired and there's not much you can do about it. Most tracks um, in most states, they switch tracks week to week. Obviously, Ascot gets hammered, you know, two times a week, and um, there's not much they can do about it. And when the rain comes, that track does deteriorate pretty quickly. So, you know, the disappointing part is um, that track at Belmont is absolutely magnificent, but Belmont doesn't have the facilities to, you know, support a massive day in crowd like uh, could be on Saturday. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. There's the the two school of thoughts, and um, yeah, a little bit disappointing. But uh, as I said, I'm sure we. Uh, the, uh, you'll be pretty happy if uh, Rocky can salute. And uh, as I said, the beers will taste pretty good uh, in your little uh, venue. Before we let you go, Michael, we might just quickly uh, get your thoughts on your uh, your other three runners on the meeting. Um, Poor old Floyd. He hasn't got to mention it at all. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Floyd's, Floyd's going to actually give my little write-up. Actually, Floyd's been a little bit um, a little bit stiff. He's, he's a 93 rider, so he's not a true weight for age horse. But with the set weights and penalties ratings uh, races, he doesn't get the weight he should off some of the good ones either. So you really – the only races Floyd uh, can run in are those sort of handicaps, which are few and far between in the, in the sprinting calendar in WA these days. So um, he's a hard, uh, a hard horse to place, isn't he, Michael? No, that's correct, yeah. He's sort of stuck in uh, no, no man's land at the moment. Um, it'd be nice if the handicappers wanted to drop him a little bit after a couple of those runs, but we'll just hang in there. Look, at the moment, he's probably lost a bit of his zip, and uh, we're really dying to get him out to 14 and 16 as he's getting a bit older, okay. but um, obviously there's a process for me to follow to get to that. And um, as I said, uh, he's sort of stuck in no man's land. It'd be nice to drop a couple of points and get him back to a ratings race. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, on his day, um, he's a very good horse. Uh, but obviously, uh, I think he just wants probably 14 at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we've got McCanto in race number five. Have, uh, have you sent him to, to Jared to work on his barrier manners? Because uh, there's, a, there's a fair bit of upside if we can get him to step out of the machines. Yeah, I'd love him to jump and box seat on the weekend. I think mm. if he can get into a spot where he does have an electrifying turn of foot and he, he's a very good horse, um, but he's been a bit of a late mature and he's still learning his craft. So. Um, one day he's going to put it all together and he's a very, very smart animal, but um, it's a pretty slick field battle. I'm surprised it actually come up on the last day. That's got to put a field together like that. So um, we'll wait and see and hopefully he can jump and behave a little bit better. And uh, if he does that, he'll definitely be somewhere in the finish. And then you've got uh, Highland Beat in the last, who looks, uh, who looks a really nice uh, play from the map. Yeah, if he can lob into the right spot, he should be awfully hard to beat. His, um, his first up run was super. Uh, second up, he just got run off his feet. And he's probably crying out for the, the 12 now. And he's drawn a good gate. And Mitch um, gets along really well with him. So if he can posse up in a nice spot, um, he should be right in the finish, hopefully. 
And now finally, before we uh, we definitely let you go this time, Michael, I, I need to know the situation. What Tell, tell me about that. Where, where's this come from? Oh, look, it's just a bit of a code name that uh, all my friends know. And, uh, you know, sometimes you put yourself out there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you got people find you that you don't want to find you. So uh, we yeah. fly under the radar as much as we can, which is really I've, I've, working, just, ru- I've just ruined that now. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> hey, Michael, i got two more. Sorry, Terry. Um, You've got the Rock Magic Room at Ascot. Where does your huge ownership group get to drink at Belmont? Well, I was speaking to Tony Favazzo about that at the track <laughs> on Tuesday morning because uh, we do have a room at, at Belmont. Um, obviously, everyone's welcome as they are in the Rock Magic Room. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, the old owner's and trainer's room up the top of the escalators to the left. Yep. But, uh, yeah, that, that's where everyone will normally find us. And, obviously, with COVID, the, the room size couldn't be used last year, so we had the beautiful new deck up the top there. But, uh, look, wherever they're happy to, to place us in the group, as long as there's Cold beer, I'm sure we'll all be there. They'll have to be called the Durendal Deck or something like that, won't it? No, nah, rock, Rocky times too. It's all, it's all about rock magic. Um, and, uh, the Floyd Froffies. <laughs> the Floyd Froffies. And um, is there, just for the listeners, is there a horse on the horizon that we haven't seen yet or a horse that you guys are pinning your hopes on? Um, the next to, rock's magic. The neck rock magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the neck rock, next rock magic. Oh, to be honest with you, mate, I don't think we'll ever get one like him again. Mm. And, uh, you know, we've just loved that ride for the last seven years. And, you know, if we can get one half as good as him, we'll be happy. And, you know, we've got some really nice three-year-olds coming through the ranks. That horse that won yesterday, if he can uh, work on his manners and, and behaviour before and after a race, um, he could he can go a fair way. Um, so, yeah, it's, we've got a nice, a nice bunch of three-year-olds coming through and um, we're just hoping that um, they can take the next step as they get into their fours and fives. And, as I said, uh, you know, it's very hard to go from restricted racing to listed racing then to group racing then to group one racing so we just pray that we can find a nice one and uh, they can go on with it from there um michael thanks a lot for joining us terry and i here at the one 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 thing that we as wa racing lovers we really appreciate is um just the enthusiasm and the uh just the i guess just the collective sort of inclusive nature of of the ganjimi brothers racing stables the celebrations when you win the the investment into the the industry that you guys do like a uh, big hats off from from us and i remember being at the races when when rock magic um, won his two previous roma cups and the place just erupted and it was just such a such a thrilling environment to be on on course it makes such a difference when when people enjoy their wins and there's a big ownership group and it's really cool and uh and we, and we love uh what you guys what you guys do and what you bring to the industry so personally and from here at the one from the guys here at the one one thanks thanks to you chris and the family for uh for everything you do for the game i appreciate it boys i appreciate your kind words bj and uh, thanks mate we love the game and we love the characters in it and uh, it's all about having fun at the end of the day we're here for a uh, a good time, not a long time. So uh, if we can enjoy it with uh, as many winners as we can get, um, we'll be definitely trying to win as many as we can. Beautiful. Thanks, Michael. Good luck on the weekend. Thanks, boys.